And then finally, our scripture reading tonight for the sermon, again, is Psalm 23. So we'll take a moment, read Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this Sunday, of course, as as Matt shared with us, is Christ the King Sunday, and it's the last Sunday of the church year. And the church typically spends Christ the King Sunday reflecting on what it means to affirm that Christ is King. And we look back over the events of the year and ask, what does that really mean to say that? And then Advent begins the following Sunday. Advent means to come, and we think about the first coming of Jesus at Christmas and the second coming of Jesus as judge. And if you've been around All Souls, and welcome, I see some new faces here. We're glad you're here. If you've been around All Souls, Advent has been a very important time for us. It's been a kind of a spiritual retreat after a busy year, a busy semester. Uh, we, we've kind of taken it as a, as a pause to recenter, to step away from the chaos, try to find our soul again. And this year's no exception, even with COVID and with no building. We're going to have Yard Church uh, all the way, except for Thanksgiving, all the way through Christmas. So uh, you brave souls, hopefully you can come out and join us. Uh, we're also going to have some opportunities around fire pits. If you feel safe to do that, you can find out about that in the newsletter. And there's going to be a special page on the website about all the Advent opportunities. So let's uh, let's really come together this year and make it a very special Advent. Well, what does it mean to affirm that Christ is king in a, a year like this? What what are we actually saying? Well, it helps to know that the Israelites thought of their kings as shepherd kings. That's what the Ezekiel passage was about. A good king was to treat his people like a good shepherd. And of course, Jesus later in John 10 will say that he is the good shepherd. So, so really, to affirm that Christ is king is to affirm that Jesus is our good shepherd, that he leads us like a good shepherd. One of the texts that the church traditionally reads this night of the year is Psalm 23, because it's David's beautiful meditation on what it is like to live under the care of a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The words Lord and King are used interchangeably in in the Bible. So this is just David's way of saying the Lord. It's our way of saying, Jesus is my shepherd. He he meets all the needs that that I have. 
And then David starts to talk about some of the needs a sheep has. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he takes care of the sheep's hunger, thirst, uh, fatigue, even need for guidance. Well, sheep, uh, as we know, are not the smartest animals, and they often don't know what they really need. And so many times they will go to brown pastures and not eat good food and get sick. Many times they'll go to rushing water or fast-moving water instead of still water, and they'll drown. And so the shepherd is always pulling them back so that they can satisfy their real needs. Do you know what you really need? Are you aware of what your soul really needs tonight? The favorite part of my day usually is if I get a chance to sit down with, with one of you and spend an hour and we, we listen together for what God might be saying in your, in your soul. And inevitably, what we talk about in the beginning is not what we end up talking about at the end. And there's this process of discovery that goes on the whole hour as we pull back the layers and find out what your soul really needs. Souls are like uh, ponds. And when a storm blows through, all the silt gets kicked up and you can't see through it very well to the bottom. And it takes a while for the silt to settle for you to be able to see down to the bottom. And this year, we've had a couple of big storms. And the silt is really stirred up. And I'm finding in my own life and in others' lives, a lot of us are pretty out of touch with what we really need, with where we really are. We've just had to kind of gut it out and, and get through, just kind of numb out and, and keep going. And then I'm hearing a lot of stories like this, like my child spilled their milk and I just freaked out. What's wrong with me? I, I woke up with this great sadness, and that's not me. What's going on? Um, I'm drinking too much. Boy, I'm eating terribly. Gosh, I spend the whole weekend binging on a show I didn't even like. Well, what's going on? We're just trying to cope, and these are symptoms that we're not addressing our deepest need, our deepest spiritual hungers and desires, our deepest need for, for guidance. And every December I have a physical, and we go in, and the purpose is to just stop once a year and kind of figure out what's going on underneath the hood, make any corrections so that I can be healthy the next year. And Advent is like a, a spiritual physical. It's a chance for us to step back, pause, and I know we can't, life doesn't just stop, does it? But it, it's a chance to pull away even a little bit and try to look down into that pond. Where am I? 
for most of us, it's been one of the most challenging years of our life. And just w w with, with all gentleness and respect, if, if you're one of the robust ones, it's actually been a pretty good year. Um, praise God. Still, go ahead and look underneath the hood because you might be surprised if you're caring for everybody else. There might be some weariness there that you're not even aware of. You might ask some questions this Advent like, um, Am I eating clean spiritually? How am I satisfying my deepest thirsts? Is it working? Where do I feel the most exhausted? And how will I find spiritual rest that touches the core of my soul in a way that a Netflix binge or a third martini never will. Where, like the sheep, do I need guidance? Where do I feel lost right now? That's not a bad way to start Advent, is, is just to start talking with God about your real needs and allow the shepherd to meet them. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I've just decided not to read much news these days. I do describe to a little local news service called Compass, and there's an email that shows up in my box every morning. And the news summary, at least this year, always starts with the number of COVID positive results and deaths. It's always the, the, the lead story. And I was thinking about that today. The last time I remember seeing death totals in my community or country every day was in the late 60s. And my parents always watched Walter Cronkite's uh, evening news. And uh, there would always be a graphic and a picture from Vietnam and the number of... Uh, of soldiers killed. And then he would say, and that's the way it is. And I was just thinking about that. That war actually went on for 19 years till it ended in 1973. And so those of us that were born late 50s, early 60s, that reality was going on um, pretty much our, our whole uh, childhood life. And I remember, even though I had a happy childhood in the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio, that there was this sense, too, that someday you grew up and they might send you to Vietnam and you might die. But just kind of uh, just part of the reality. It's interesting how kids deal with things. We didn't really know what was going on. and I didn't even understand somehow that it wasn't a game until my, my I watched my father tear up one night watching some POWs with John McCain. Some of you are old enough to remember this moment when they were finally freed from the Hanoi jail and they got off the plane and my dad realized that one of his college friends was one of the POWs. And we would go out in the yard after the evening news in the summer and we were seven or eight and we invented a little game called Whoever Dies the Neatest. And one child was the Viet Cong, and he would kill us. Then each of us would die, 
and whoever died the most dramatically won. And I don't know why all that came back uh, today as I was working on this, but it made me wonder, if you were born in the 60s, you were living kind of in a culture of death. You were living in the valley of the shadow of death, and it affected you. How is it affecting us today? How's it affecting our kids? How's it affecting our teachers? How's it affecting our shut-ins? What 50 years from now, I mean, what's the impact of wondering whether you should go to Thanksgiving dinner because you really want to see the aunt you love so much, but you also know she might be carrying a virus that could kill you? What's that like? Well, at some level, all of us are living in the valley of the shadow of death. It's just more aware. We're more aware of it now. An article I read, psychologists are are finding that death anxiety is increasing, um, but it's often masked or uh, it's often expressed in terms of uh, depression, general anxiety, or phobias. And the point that the psychologist was making is that a lot of people in this collective trauma are thinking about death. So what do we do with that as Christians this year? Well, what does it mean to affirm that Christ is king? Well, it means that we believe he is with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's what it means. It means that our king died on the cross for our sins rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven, and that just as we died with him by faith, we also rise with him by faith. And so we conquer death. But I also, I think it means more than our hope of conquering death. Hopefully for most of us, death is many years away. But we're still walking in the valley of the shadow of death. It's just where we are. And instead of numbing out or saying this is too depressing to talk about, why don't we just acknowledge it? Why don't we even admit that this isn't going to be over by Christmas? And why don't we just turn fully to the Good Shepherd and acknowledge his presence with us in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, a good Advent practice is to just look for different ways the shepherd's present with you. Especially if you're struggling with some anxiety. Just take some time. Sandy and I have begun spending, we've done this for about half a year, Uh, we spend 20 minutes each night Uh, just in silence and we're just going over the day looking for where God was present with us during the day and it just brings so much comfort so much peace that's what it means to say Christ is shepherd it means that he's present with us even in the valley of the shadow of death 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And now the psalm has shifted. David seems to be an older man now. He's talking more personally. He's looking back at his life. And, and he says, you know, God has cared for me even when people wanted to hurt me. He's healed my wounds. Oil was a, was a healing medicine. He's always been good and merciful to me, even amidst a bloody, broken, yet holy life. And then he ends with the memorable lines, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, is he thinking of going to the temple? Maybe, but you don't stay there forever. He's thinking about spending eternity in fellowship with God. That's what it means for him to live with the Good Shepherd is to know that the Good Shepherd's ultimately going to get him safely home. Now, I know pastors are criticized for uh, being so focused on heaven that we forget about the needs of the world, and, and that, that's a fair critique. There's a lot more to the Christian life than just getting to heaven. But it's not less than that. And C.S. Lewis once said, uh, there's either pie in the sky or there's not. <laughs> And I think what David is saying, and the older I get, the more meaningful this becomes. I think what David is saying is, this is a beautiful and ruined world. It's both glorious and tragic. It's a comedy and a fairy tale. And I no longer expect you to bail me out of every problem or solve every quandary. But I know this. You've been with me every step of the way. And I'll be with you forever. That's what it means to affirm that Christ is King. Let's pray. Oh, Christ, our King, our Shepherd King, it has been a hard year. And we're not done yet. How thankful we are that we don't face another year alone. How thankful we are that we are your sheep. How thankful we are that you are our shepherd and that you meet our needs. And when we've walked with you for even a little while, we can look back and we can say with David, yes, goodness and mercy have followed me. They've pursued me. They've chased me. Lord, some of us are doing great and providing encouragement and hope and inspiration. Some of us are struggling. Some of us are up and down. Some of us are exhausted. Some of us are sick. Some of us have died. Some of us are being reborn. We're all over the place. Just like any flock. This Advent, would you come? 
Would you come into our little community, our virtual community, our yard church community, whatever we are, whoever we are, whoever wants to come along and be present with us in the valley of the shadow of this deathly year? So that we could say, when we go to bed tonight, you know, I fear no evil. We ask this in your name. Amen.